Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat Sashafi. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was Mungo Jerry in the U.S. National Tour number six in 2020. So welcome, Tony D'Elio, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, I appreciate you coming. I was excited because when I read your cat's Wikipedia page, the first thing it says was, excited to perform the role that you were uh, dreaming about since kindergarten. So... It sounds like my first question is always about your history with cats. Sounds like you have a huge with cats. So tell me a little bit about your first introduction to the musical. Yeah, it it runs deep. It runs really deep. So my first introduction to cats, the my favorite VHS to watch in 1998 was a Barney musical. And at the front of that VHS tape was a commercial for cats and it was the opening number. It was, it was like 60 seconds of what I now know is called B-roll and it just like captivated me, but my parents didn't have it. So I just thought it was this little clip that played before Barney cut to, I think I was five years old in my cousin Christina's basement and I saw the little cat's logo and I on its own tape and I was like, wait a second, there's more of this. So we put it in and her tape, her tape, the uh, something was wrong with it. So it only played up until act one. So I never knew what happened. Uh, I just got an act one version of Cats. But yeah, it was on repeat from that moment on. And during Mongo Rump, we would climb on the back of the couch down in that basement. Yeah. That's I love where it, it. So, so your introduction was a Barney musical, like quick. Yes. Like the, you know, like the cartoons that come before the movie, it was, they cut out yes. cats. They cut out one song of cats. Yeah. It was, it was like the, the trailer number. to get it on VHS. Yes. Wow. And, and that was enough for me. I would like rewind the tape just to like watch that clip. That's <laughs> I amazing. like was so young. I didn't understand like what a preview was. That is phenomenal. You know? And then you go, so you go see it. And, and the story I hear, because as someone who did not watch the 1998 clip mm-hmm. and movie, um, I didn't have the VHS. I had a version on an iPad in probably 2019, I think. It's probably the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, everyone I talked to, it's like, yeah, they, you blew through the VHS. So it sounds like your friend watched it so much that it just stopped running in the second act absolutely absolutely that is phenomenal okay so you were hooked and you were you were dancing as like the two of you doing and and you were your your number was mungo jerry and rumple teaser that was your favorite song at that age yeah well of course tugger because he was really cool and i like liked how he moved his hips <laughs> yeah and uh he had a fun song um but yeah mungo rump was I don't know, just like the underscore of it, like the vamping in that song would just always get my heart rate going a little faster. And I was with my cousin, Christina. So she was rump 
and I naturally would be Mungo. And we tried to do those cartwheels, but it yeah. never. <laughs> that was gonna be my question. The cartwheels are definitely part of the that version. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that happened in the Broadway revival, and I don't think it, that happened in yours. It right? did. Oh, it, it did. did. Okay, it did. Yeah, those cartwheels. Things changed when Andy Blankenbuehler came in to revive the original production, and there were there are staple moments of that show, and those double cartwheels. Are for sure one of them. Okay, so you, yeah. you you never nailed it as a kindergarten, but did it as an adult. Yes, with proper supervision and instruction. <laughs> yeah, and probably capabilities and mm-hmm. practice. So mm-hmm. walk me through like what what was your take on the show as a kindergarten? Like, what did you did you pick up on all the craziness that was happening in that show? I I think what I picked up on was that you're just going into a world that is not the one that you live in and you are experiencing life with these different characters. And as a kid, what drew me to it is all of them have their own personalities. Like as a kid, you pick up that they they're like different colors and different ages and have these little interrelationships. Like that's what I was really fascinated with. And then on top of that, it really is what planted the seed for me to how I understand dancing uh, and specifically jazz dancing, which is ballet technique, except with style and with a bite. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I would get because I would get in trouble in my ballet classes as a kid for doing too much and on stage at Cats that that that's the gig. Yeah. It's, it's encouraged a little bit, especially yeah. as, especially as Mungo, like you're, you're kind of supposed to be a little rambunctious and almost against authority. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that is fun. So, so did you, I mean, when you started your professional career, was this like always a dream role because of your, you know, your introduction to it so early? Absolutely. I just, I never thought that it would get produced while I was, able to do it because I don't know when the revival was announced to begin with in 2016 I, I was shocked and I mean I was so happy but I just had not not expected a cat's revival to happen like that's so so random but um I moved to New York in 2012 and my first job was the tumbling carpet in Beauty and the Beast which was another like childhood staple so I kind of felt like that was that was living out my childhood dreams. And I just got very lucky that cats was also got to be a part of that. That's amazing. So it's interesting. You say that you just didn't think you'd get a chance because as someone who did not know anything about cats really until 2016 Mm. or just, you know, knew it was the punchline of a lot of jokes. um, Now that I've, am the one of the foremost experts on cats, I think in the, you know, the world, especially in the non someone who's not done it. I am. It's everywhere. It's still in Vienna running right now. It's Mm -hmm. running on a Royal Caribbean cruise right now. I think the South Korean cast just went to Taiwan to finish their tour or go on their, continue their tour. So it's so funny hearing you as someone who's in the industry being like, I never thought I'd get to do it. And me being like, it's running in four countries right now. I know. I know. See, that's like, that's me having, being very narrow minded of just looking at (laughs) New York theater. (laughs) Yeah, true. And that was, you know, the revival was my introduction to it. And so the 2016. So I want to now go into 
I want to hear the rest of your take. Like, what else did you take as a kindergarten away from it? Like, you said Tugger. You said, you know, you obviously you're doing Mungo Jerry and Ripple Teaser. What other parts, like, mm-hmm. what, what else was memorable for you as a kid? Oh, what was memorable to me was Victoria breaking off from the group and having that solo. Now, I'm unpacking this live in the moment. I think, why, like, why did that stand out to me? That's what I'm here I for. I think... I think it's because like it's the dance element, right? Like it was seeing these living, breathing creatures want things, feel things. It's all so many freaking feelings and, and seeing that dance is the way in to communicate that and dance is like dance being the key ingredient in that kind of storytelling was just so visceral and accessible to me. Cause that's just how I've always moved my body, you know? Yeah. It's super interesting hearing you say that because I do think like I've been very anti-kids going to see this show, but clearly I'm in the minority. Um, and it's because I look at plot and the plot is very sexual and over the top and a little dark. Um, but when you look at the – I do think there's like three segments of people that see it. There's the kids that are very like super young, like kindergarten age like you were, where it's like just an experience and it's Absolutely. so fun and unique. Then there's the teenagers or like the seeing it at that point where you're like, maybe you're kind of understanding your ability to dance or especially the theater people, you you're seeing it where maybe you start to understand some of that, like, like her dance is a coming of age story. And I don't think a kindergarten is probably that a teenager might. And then there's the adults where it's like, do you realize the chaos that you just witnessed? Um, And I find it so fascinating depending on your entry point your version of how much you liked it or like what you took from it. And so it is unique of like how you can bring in that you start, you kind of got to experience it in all phases almost because you got introduced so young and got to have the fun, like me and my cousin dancing around all the way to now where you kind of really grasp what's happening. Yes. Yeah. And, and because it's so layered, there's so many layers to the show and like access points to it. It's an experience. It's a spectacle appreciating like the technical skill of it and then you open the door of what's your interpretation of this zany you know world and everyone's interpretation is different so yeah what a transition (laughs) what a transition i want to hear your interpretation first of the whole show and then we'll get into a little bit about your character okay so the whole show it is it's a community of of characters and uh gosh how do i how do i enter into this because i have such a specific point of view okay so the show big picture wise is it's a community of very different characters that all rely on one on one another and it's a community of individuals uh but that are all brought together under the understanding and connection to the moon specifically like the moon is um the spirituality element so Mm -hmm. so the thing is is that we talk about plot like beginning middle and end the the play happens in real time for the audience like there's no like and and the next day you know like we you walk into the junkyard and it's happening in real time so you're it's performance art you're you're watching characters exist and the audience is to spectate and observe and 
of course, if there's 2000 people in the audience, there should be 2000 different interpretations of that because that's how performance art works. Um, so I think the show is, is, is that, and then <sighs> talking about theme when it gets to Brizabella being chosen, that actually adds meaning to this of forgiveness, a community, you know, ostracizing someone cause they left and then she comes back and then the acceptance and forgiveness is, is the theme at the end. And you, that's when the audience goes, Oh, that's why we just sat through these people like rejecting her and having, having allyships. I'm getting, I'm getting a little too deep. No, no, <laughs> but, I, I love it. I, but, I, but I think that's what it is. It, it's performance art with a message of forgiveness at the end. I think you nailed a couple of <laughs> things that I find fascinating is that like, it is performance art in the sense, but it is still theater. So it's like, it's a different style than what I think I expect from yes. most because I view theater as a live, in a lot of cases, a live movie. Maybe that's very narrow minded of me as a theater goer and not someone in the theater community as much. Um, but I was waiting for, you said beginning, middle, end. I was also just waiting for like conflict resolution in some capacity. And I didn't really get that. And so then it became the like, sleep no more experience for any New Yorkers that have been there, but I didn't get to walk Absolutely. around like a, a cat sleep. No more would be fascinating. Like you get to just be in the junkyard and kind of walk around and, and experience however you want that day. Yeah. But that's, it's almost like it is, I, I get that version, but hearing you say that and then also being like, yeah, but that's not what I think I paid my ticket for, which is so unique about the show. Mm-hmm. It is unique and it, it reminds me a lot, spelling it out like that, of a chorus line. The play is happening in real time and it's the course of an audition. And you go down the line and hear all these different vignettes and all these personal stories that are entertaining. And then at the end, some people get the job and some people don't. And because we're human beings and have attached ourselves to these stories, we feel certain ways about some characters getting the job or not. Or Cassie clearly having her music in the mirror moment, like it, there being still a hero in there, which in our case, it's Grizabella. It's yeah. It, and both shows are wildly successful because audiences go in and they experience something. I, I agreed. I, I, I've heard the chorus on comparison a couple of times and it okay. does, it does line up and I know someone who's not seen it, um, but kind of knows now at least the premise. Um, mm. And it does really line up and it is similar. I think Cats also has this advantage of it's so bizarre that there's a novelty to it as well. So it's like Absolutely. you add this like, okay, wait, you're going to go see humans dressed up as cats, acting as cats, and treating the whole thing like they are cats, like the way the mannerisms and everything else. So that has to be – and you add in kids because you can bring anybody, any age, and – hopefully find it and the other thing too i always thought is um i noticed a very international crowd the times i've seen it because mm. it can be performed like i'm pretty sure i could listen to in vienna they do it in german pretty sure i could watch it in german and still pick up most of what's happening absolutely and that's yeah. kind of a, a unique piece of it too but it's mm. not the neat and tidy sitcom that i like or movie that i went to go see which is why we're 70 episodes in here of me arguing of how, why i wanted it different Oh, I can't wait to hear about that. 
but I let's can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> let's go in. I want to hear your three words for Mongo Jerry and kind of what you thought really was like the relationships. Like where, like obviously we know the Mongo Jerry Rumple teaser, but I have a couple of my theories and things I've read. But curious to hear mm. a little bit about like what your take on your cat was. Yeah. Uh, well, I am obsessed with those three words and will, and have taken it with me in every role I play because it determines your attitude, your behavior, and your relationship to others around you. And like, that is how you do ensemble building. Like it's so freaking cool. And like, we had that exercise where we were in the circle and you, you had to pick one word and then go into the circle with like a combo of four or five cats. And you had to play that one word, like that one word controlled your entire essence. And then Chrissy would be like, okay, add another, a second word in. And it was really cool to do and also sit back and watch how Mungo Rump, who are a pair, are very different from Tantamile and Corkapat. You know, that <laughs> the, is also a duo in, the, in yeah. the ring, you know? So, and that wasn't us just like playing these characters that we think we know. It's like, okay, my first word is cocksure which is a British slang term for not just being cocky, but like cocky to your own detriment, <laughs> um, which is so like such a fun attitude to have cocksure. Um, so I don't think I've ever heard that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, okay. Segwaying into the three words, they were cocksure streetwise and cheeky. Wow. Cheeky. I mean, so like you got a relationship with the audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think like the three words is so fascinating because it they are, I mean, they're so spot on. And then it's because that's the way that everyone plays it. Like you really, you, you understand about the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did not know cocksure. That's different. I, I hadn't heard that before because I've talked to a one Mungo Jerry before, but it was in, you know, many tours ago. Um, totally. So I don't think they remembered everything. But okay. And so you come in, you're kind of playing that. What do you think? Like, what, how did you play the relationships with the other cats? Like, were there any that you were like, this is dad, this is cousin, brother, um, friends? Like, how did you play that? Totally. Let's get into it. So, for most important relationship of all is with Rumple Teaser. Of course. And, there are, even within our company, like when Anthony Zoss, who was Pounceable, went in as Mungo when I was swung out, their vibe was like they were boyfriend, girlfriend hanging out on the Jersey Shore. Like, you know, those two, excuse my French assholes, you know, yeah. like very different from what Rose and I were, which was which were brother and sister and clearly her older brother, her little sis. And we really developed that relationship in the rehearsal room. Uh, just because we never left each other's sides. And that, you know, that came from with talking about boys, talking about like if we were going out that night, like what are you wearing? Like some like just mischievous things. Like, I don't know. Like we're 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 really soulmates in a lot of ways. And I, I love her. Shout out to Rose Ianico. Yeah. I so I've always felt the and maybe it's just again the way I've experienced the show or the way I've watched it, that they are brother sister. That they're yes. or relatives, not a couple. Um, yes. And so, okay, so it's interesting to hear you say that, and and that's fun. And it's also got to be a little bit of the you're on tour, so you you have a, a slightly mm-hmm. different dynamic. 
um, compared to, you know, I guess being in New York or being in one place at a time because you're on the road and you're traveling and you're in new cities all the time. So that's got to add to that element, especially in the duos where you're the twins or, you know, you and, and Rump. Mm-hmm. The change of environment and just like the inside the theater, because the theater would change yeah. and then where you were out in reality would change. And, and also if Rose and I were in an Airbnb together that week, if we were living together or if we didn't see each other outside of the show like that, that also did impact things. But and and honey, we went on a roller coaster ride together, but we are family you know, like, because so much was changing around us, we had to rely on each other. And we had some bumps in the road. But that's what makes a good partnership is being able to say like, hey, this isn't working for me. Let's talk about it. You know? Yeah, that's so it's such a unique piece when you're in a duo like that. And you just like, you have to feed off each other because it's going to be noticeable because your number is together. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a it, it is a a duo doing that and it's really in, in your song all eyes are on youtube for five and a half minutes yeah. that's like so when we were learning the show outside of our number we were dance partners right like Corkapat and tantamile like they do oh my gosh we don't even do that much partnering as them they are partnering like weight sharing the entire time rose and i when we got to our number that's the day that we went from dance partners to scene partners because that like yes you're out there physically with each other and we're picking each other up but you gotta like the heart soul and eye contact has to be there you know like Mm -hmm. yeah the audience is there but screw them like you're out there the two of you just ping-ponging yeah (laughs) back and forth well yeah i mean and then you add in the cartwheels and like the like the physical Uh element of being able to do some of that together it's it is it was the one of the most memorable pieces of the show for me when i saw it the Mm -hmm. first time was it was a song stuck in my head i couldn't i couldn't stop singing it when i left um Mm -hmm. and such a unique piece and it was something that i mean i knew memory and nothing else Mm -hmm. um and i don't even think i realized memory was in the show it wasn't until all of a sudden i got there and i'm like oh i've heard this before um, that's how much I know going into most theater uh, performances. I don't look anything up. I don't reach research anything. I walk in and that's uh, made for some interesting experiences for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But with this one, it's it's usually pretty fun. And that's what was one of my more fun takeaways from the show was I was like, I remember that. I remember the train from Skimble Shanks and some of the other stuff and, um, and being thoroughly entertained. But mm-hmm. I want to ask about a few more. What about McCavity? What's the relationship to McCavity? Um, I was going to say when it comes to the older men in the tribe, Mungo does not have a father. That's kind of what plays into his terrible behavior. He doesn't really have parents, but he does have his aunties and Jenny Annie Dots and Miss Jelly. Okay. They, they're, they don't get, they don't punish me. Like I'm not put in time out, but they give me a look and to me, Jenny and Jelly, like, you know, keep that tail between your legs don't get crazy but when it comes to the older guys um my mungo jerry was very visibly queer so for me obviously tugger is a friend with benefits yeah. and that's McCavity, the whole cast with tugger though right exactly and i see okay so McCavity, it's i can say it now because i'm not doing it but my secret was that I would sneak away at night and McCavity was kind of like grooming me to 
you know, take over his reign when he like moves on because I like looked up to him for yeah. like causing so much trouble. So anytime there was a scare of McCavity, I just like got a little tickle inside, you know? <laughs> I love that you like that you're kind of bringing that element in and it's like, I love that it's also a now that I'm done, like, cause that's kind of yeah. something I always thought I was always like, you know, they are these two, like they're either the rich kid who knows mom and dad can bail them out type of thing. Cause I think that you guys wear collars. So there's some, like maybe you're part of like the house, especially mm -hmm. in the new movie, like you're breaking into your own house and yes. stealing. But at the yes. same time, there's also a little bit of like, you are kind of the, um, I always called you the klepto cats. Like you're the ones stealing. So maybe mm -hmm. you are working under McCavity's kind of reign. So I love hearing that you're, that you were behind the scenes kind of, yeah, you, oh, yeah, you were, you were into that. And, and as far, it's funny you mentioned the collars, that kind of was a way for all of us to like learn more. Like the day that we got the costumes, it's like, oh, okay. Like yeah. who, who's wifed up right now yeah. by an owner <laughs> and all the kitten boys who were like my buddies, like Pounceable and Tumble, Tumble's shy and quiet, but Pounceable is like my buddy. Um, their, their collars didn't have that big ring on it, but Mungo's for sure did like it's mungo tugger and monk who have mm -hmm. like these really chunky collars <laughs> with like a big ring on it and to me it, it was kind of like as an actor i took it as him trying to fit in like he he's a he's not yet a grown kitten or a grown cat he's just kind of like this teenager who is trying to be like one of the big boys. Yeah, that does lend a lot of the other potential rumor mills is because your collar is similar that mm -hmm. and everyone assumes that Monk and Tugger are brothers, that there might they be are. some relationship there. Like maybe you're either in that family or adopted by that family that owns like, you know, five or six cats with collars. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I love exact it. there I'm not related to them, but like the brothers the trifecta yeah. <laughs> of Monk, Tugger, and McCavity. Um, uh, a really funny <laughs> story about the callers is Tion, who has our Mistopheles. We were saying like, ooh, who has a collar and Misto does not have one. He has that bow tie. And Tion just goes, I'm free. Yeah. And just like motion to his <laughs> neck. Love and it. Then that, and then that evolved into him just saying that he's a star. Because he is, and he has a bow tie. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a show stopping number every time. Oh, absolutely! Especially when T did it. <clears throat> Amazing. Um, yeah. What about in terms of the ball and the Jellicle choice? How do you look at like? Do you even consider Mongo Jaren Rumple Teaser in the running? Absolutely not. No chance. Absolutely not. So uh, another joke, a joke that we had was that. Uh, this light beam would come down and like would hit the wrong cat and they would just like start like being lifted off the stage. Uh, literally the title of this podcast. Yeah. And Rose and I had this whole bit going where we were like, no, no, we don't want to go <laughs> holding okay. on to each other. My, my newest thing is I still want to have, cause on, especially on tour, when you're moving around city to city, I want to mm -hmm. have a different cat picked every night and then not have that cat in that the performance cool. the next day. Like oh they my were picked gosh. and they're out. 
So now they got to go to the next, like the next ball and they're out. So you're into the next one, which, which you would never do because like you want to see the performers. Not, I don't mean it from a, like a standpoint of like a, you know, how talented everyone is. It's more of a standpoint of like from the storytelling, I think yes. it'd be fun to say like, okay, we, we took this cat out to be reborn. Now they're gone. Next, next person. And you out. get a day off the next day. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, I love the way that's your, that's why you're looking at it. I'm purely writing here and you're like, oh, I would take, <laughs> Save the, the, knees. take the day off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, let's shift gears into a little bit of rapid fire. Okay. Um, if you were not playing Mungo, who would you want to play and why? And let's say you can be any cat. doesn't matter. Um, you know, Male, yes. female, vocal range, anything, just anybody, oh. anyone that you want that you could just play for a day. Okay. I'm I'm gonna go with Tugger. You wanna okay. You wanna go out there and the song is fun. Yeah. It's Mungo energy, you know, and he doesn't have to crawl that much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you get to just like completely like thrust the entire show. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Who are your favorite and least favorite cats? Characters, not actors. Of course. <laughs> Least favorite. I'm sorry, but Grizabella. Oh, this is good. I'm like, I move like it, girl. Like this when I saw it as a kid, I was like, move it along. Like we get it. <laughs> I were okay. I'm this sorry, is, and I just like I I hissed at her for a year of my life, and <laughs> it can't go away. Okay. Favorite cat. Um. I love Gus the theater cat because he is always giving like the most Shakespearean performance of your life. Like in any, any moment on that stage, look over at Gus and it's like, how does Gus feel about this? I promise you it's, it's good. I love that. It's um, good. It's always I, a hot take. This is lending well for my final question, but we're not there mm-hmm. yet. What is your favorite song? I'm going to say Mungo Rump. Okay. You just, you love it. What if I, I take do. that out? Cause you did that so much. So like, I love you... it. Okay. Honestly, the, the dance break of the ball the da- oh, or yeah, the yeah. ending of the opening number Jellicle song for Jellicle cats from specifically uh, statistical cats to the end. To the okay. Button. Okay. <laughs> love it. Yeah. It's very specific. Um, you know, you you kind of were on right before the pandemic, so I do. I, I kind of enjoyed I asking. Back. I know, but I, I've kind of enjoyed asking which cat character wise do you think in the beginning of the pandemic, March twenty twenty, which cat was living their best life still? Like which cat was still okay? <laughs> you know, like the the world shuts down, kind of a unique time. Who's who's still all right? Rumple teaser. Why? Because Ooh, that's, a, I, that's a new one. I haven't heard anybody why? say that yet. Because, honey, Rumple Teaser is a girl who looks out for herself. She makes it work. She went and when she couldn't dance anymore, got her real estate license and started selling, you know, apartments to cats. I don't know. Like, I just see Rumple Teaser as that girl who will reinvent herself in a time of need. I just had this vision of uh, selling Sunset Rumple Teaser kind of crossed my mind. Oh, 100% with hoop earrings, click clacking in with heels. Get get a little, get a little caddy with, yeah, a little caddy with the other, other real estate agents. Oh yeah. I see it. She's competitive. Yeah. I see it. Okay. I like that. Mm -hmm. 
Let's um, let's go. And now I think since you said your least favorite cat was Grizabella and you love Gus, I'm hoping I know where this is going. But my last question, my the, the million dollar question is always, I've argued at length, I don't think Grizabella is the right Jellicle choice. Um, I know the flaws of my own argument, but I always love to hear if you're old Deuteronomy, who are you picking? And if it's Grizabella Defender, if not, who are you picking and why? It's not Grizabella. This is a hot start. Hot start. I like this. So it's okay. And it is Gus. And here we go. It's Gus because he has proven that he has lived a full life. Like he spiritually is so settled. His, how he beautifully lays it out in his song. He just, he's kind of on this like monk like level of being so wise and so at peace with everything he's done and the justification that they give for Grizabella is it's because she stands back up and like old Deuteronomy is looking at her like girl stand up you got this come on stand up and I just it's not enough for me it's like yeah I'm happy you stood up but honey like take a good long look in that mirror fix your face your makeup is terrible and like i'm gonna need you to have a whole nother trip around the sun a whole nother year of self-love read a book you know maybe don't wear those kitten heels anymore like she needs an eat pray love moment before she is moved on to the heavy side lair i yeah. love it so the <clears throat> the answer you're given of like old dude Rami's telling her to stand up because she kind of collapses belting out memory and I never, I don't think he doesn't I knew that. say it, but he looks at okay. her like, come on. And at least that's how Brandon Michael Nace played it when we did the show. Like he looked at her like, honey, you better get up off that floor. Yeah. yeah. I, so I do <laughs> like leading I with like it. the eyebrow. <laughs> I, the part that I, that you said that has really, I've, I've struggled with as the more I've talked about this is, is that the whole redemption story for Grizabella doesn't make sense to redeem her and immediately murder her. It's like, give her her year with the tribe. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, like we accept you. Bye. Yeah. Like we accept a- you. Peace. Good luck. <laughs> I'm going to now kill you. And then you're going to come back and we're going to forget all of this. Yeah. Because I I know we say like die and kill and like the human sense, I understand that sounds like vicious, but in this science fiction musical, to go to the heavy side lair is like elevating yourself. It's a reward, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's a reward. It's uh, past the graduation stage, get your degree. Yeah, (laughs) it's um, it is the it's like a, a a new life in the whole like i i enjoy putting the dark terms to it because it just makes it more entertaining but yes it is a <laughs> it is a like winning essentially mm-hmm. in this in this world so okay so you are team gus and i 100%. i don't disagree with you like i understand she has the big song and audiences are so conditioned to to think like but if she sang a high note at the end of act two, we have to cheer for her, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's... Look, that's it's, great she sang her song, but she doesn't need a trophy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's obviously written a certain way. 
uh, yes. for that reason. So her song comes at I that moment. I understand. But I'm just, I'm happy anytime someone argues against her with me. That's, yeah. that's all it is. I, I like, I want both. I want, I want them to say, you know, Grizz, we accept you. Pull up a chair, have dinner with us. But as I said before, look in the mirror and fix your face. <laughs> yeah. And then we can talk about next year. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you'll sing again. You'll prove yeah. your worth again. Your yeah. biggest competitor will be out of the competition. Mm-hmm. And and then you're, you know, then you're starting to look at some other cats. I've made an argue for almost everybody. So I've got, I've got mm-hmm. arguments ready for most people. Wow. But wow. I, I think Gus is the, is the easiest and best, like true. If we're going to stick to the same story, redemption and like deserving and worthy and live the most cat fulfilled life, it's Gus. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like if it were a twit like a 2022 reality show, <laughs> the twist like shock audiences would probably be like Victoria. Like Victoria has a secret and it's like, what what? Like it's Vicky and then the season ends and then you have to tune in for season two. <laughs> there if you look at it from that angle, there's so many ways you could do that because you could send like I always joked and and i still stick to this but my answer is not one cat it's actually um oh. going together because i think it's i looked at this as the x factor and they generally took a bunch of solos and made them a band that's how we got one direction and fifth harmony Absolutely. and everything else so if i'm voting and i'm putting it together as old deuteronomy simon cowell that's what i'm doing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think that that still holds merit Wow, I, I I hear that knowing my Tugger and Misto Tiam would be like, yeah, that's cute, but I'm Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's two things I know that skew that angle. One is, is that if you look up fan fiction, it's okay. all oh. all about the two of them, and a lot of the like For sure. unnecessary or I don't know, maybe necessary, but the Instagram art that you will find. Is generally about the two of them. Absolutely. Um, I'm also very cognizant of my own bias that I saw Leona Lewis as my first Crisabella. And so I was like, I witnessed an X Factor champion. So that might have had a little champion. bit. Yeah, she won. I forgot right? she was a champion. She, I think yeah. she won. Um, and wow. so I, I do think that I'm a little skewed and that when I walked in, I had a little X Factor mindset going in to begin with. Hmm. Um but I still stick to it. That's my answer. If anybody asked me, um, if I was logical, I'd argue Gus every day. Okay. But, yeah. But yeah. I think it all depends it's fun on to, it's fun. Absolutely. It's fun to like go down the line and be like, who, who, okay. Who really wants to contend here? Who's trying to go? Alonzo is not an option because the job that Alonzo wants is Mungo's. Not Mungo Jesus. Monka strap. Yep. He wants Monk's spots. And Monk isn't really an option because he wants old Deuteronomies. Yeah, exactly. There's a there is a ladder to climb. These kitty cats are career oriented. But you could make a lot of arguments because it all depends on your criteria for how you pick as old Deuteronomy. So if it's who has deserved you could argue like you could argue Demeter has gone through some stuff. You could argue mm-hmm. that, you know, um, gosh, she's Bustifer, been through the most. You could argue that Bustifer is a strain and just like needs to get out of there. 
You know, there's yeah. a lot of different ways. McCavity is probably, if you got rid of him, would help the tribe the most because of the yes. problems he caused. So it yes. all depends on what you deem old Deuteronomy is going to say. And my biggest question, which is an unanswerable question, because we only get one ball and we've only have an answer of wow. written of one ball, but does he make the same criteria every year? Mm, yes. The way that I interpret it, the way that Monk like proudly recites what what the evening entails and how old dude talks about it 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 to me is so like it's transcribed on this scroll of cat lore you know like the jellicles meet once a year to blah 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 so i I, it's interesting you say that because i do i I think that the ball is is a annual we know it's going to happen but how he makes the decision i would argue i think has to be different or how does he like do you have a redemption story every year because that's like for a forgiveness story every year. It feels odd. And that's what I, I struggle to wrap my head around of like, because I think a few people have argued and explained that like, oh, he made his mind up when she first came out. And it's like, I'm going to teach a lesson. I'm like, well, is he teaching mm. a lesson every year? Or can he just like off the person that deserves it most? I think it really is as simple as you just said. It's like there will be the jellical choice. And I think that redemption and forgiveness is then a byproduct of why it is Grizabella. It's like, I think it's whoever's ready to move on. And I think redemption and forgiveness, it sums up Grizabella's moment. And then if it were to be Gus, it's his wisdom and life experience and honestly transcendence. Like I listening to Gus talk, wow, I didn't realize it before this interview but it turns out i love gus gus is gus has transcended okay <laughs> yeah I, and you know i think well first of all that's what, that's what this is here this podcast is here for it's to make all of you who have done the show think about it in a way mm. you have never thought about it because i'm not, as like working yeah so that's what i'm here for i'm trying to get different perspectives <gasps> Um, and I'm trying to change the ending really i'm trying to convince somebody to write or just one day just not let grizabella go yeah. So yeah. one one day. Well, I appreciate you humoring me through all of this. So I would love to hear, you know, how can we keep up with you on social media and see what you're working on and doing? Yeah. I mean, thank you for having me, first of all, because this is one of my favorite things to talk about. But the people in my life are like, okay, cool. Like, we get it. Like, don't talk about cats. Like, do not ask me about cats with a glass of wine in my hand because we will go in. So this has been very fun. Thank you. I love for it. For just I'm, like even I've created this. this. Yeah, I've created this just as an yeah. avenue for, for people to who want to talk about cats to have that outlet because it's a very niche group. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I guess on a more boring note, uh, where to keep up with me is on my Instagram is where I share all of my short films and dance videos and class. I, I love teaching dance and um, I have a really exciting year ahead. So if you want to uh, see what's up at Tony Delelio, Tony D-A-L-E-L-I-O on Instagram, it's it's all there. Subscribe, follow, comment. All of it, honey. And it and all. also if if you're listening to this podcast and you have made it this far, you clearly 
care about cats. And if you have any other theories or questions, hit me up. Because as I said, people in my life don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I love it. I I still like I'm I'm all for it. I'm what I'm ready because I know I'm wrong on certain things. Like I have been corrected and sent stuff, and I love it. I'll argue with everyone. Oh. Um, it is fun. The, the super fans of this show are passionate and knowledgeable and really have dug deep and it's it's so I, I love it i think it's so cool i want to say like as a fan of this show as part of the fan base meeting other like jellical fans at the stage door truly was such it was a highlight of the experience for me because i've been very fortunate to have toured a lot over the past 10 years and there was something about like the cats fans similar with kinky it was mostly queer kids who like felt some kind of like pull and identity and safety with these characters because you know as a queer person myself I love it because gender doesn't exist in this world it's it's felinity so yeah I don't know and and just like nerdy theater kids which is home (laughs) for me you know it's you can identify with probably one cat at, at, in this in the show, Absolutely. which is what's so fun because you can definitely walk out feeling um, a part of it, and you're really invited without being invited in. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you're you're allowed to kind of you're given the ability to watch this unique thing, um, and it's kind of treated that way. It's like the cats kind of ignore you, but it's like you know what, we'll deal with y'all. You can watch, like welcome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it were dogs, they would be starved for attention, but yeah. the cat the cat point of view is. I know you're looking. Yeah. And I'm here. Yeah, you, you're <laughs> you're welcome. That is exactly it. Well, this has been a blast. So Oh my gosh, so much fun. Me. And thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown, the catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wrong Cat Died, or check out our website, thewrongcatdie.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.